0: Well, lead worshipers, you did it again. It brought me to tears this morning. That was awesome. Thanks for leading us to the throne of grace so powerfully today. I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles with me today to Luke chapter 2. And before I begin my message, I want to just again uh, offer to you an opportunity to sign up on... uh, a sheet of paper that's out in the foyer for an opportunity to meet together with me. One of my um, goals and uh, tasks as the interim is uh, to meet with everybody in the church over a cup of coffee, over breakfast, over lunch, over supper. And uh, I really would love to do that um, over the next uh, eight to ten weeks. And so we have a sign-up sheet in the back, and uh, you can pick a time. Um, those dates have already been cleared of my schedule, so if you're available and you want to sign up on that, uh, please do that. It would, uh, it would really help me, uh, and I'd love to meet with you and chat with you and uh, see what your thoughts are about life and about Jesus and about Three Lakes Evangelical Free Church. So if you'd help me do that, I would be very grateful for it. As I begin this morning, uh, let me please one more time pray. Father in heaven now, I pray. Uh, Holy Spirit, that you would oversee the teaching of the Word that you inspired. I pray, Lord, that if there's anything that's not of you, that you would protect us from it. But all that is of you, from your Word, I pray that it would find fertile soil in our hearts and take root. That it would produce fruit that lasts, for your honor and for your glory. So, to that end, we embark now into the study of your. Precious, glorious breath of God, the Word of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Think with me. What makes you happy? What is it that makes you happy? For me, I'll tell you some things that make me happy. Music makes me happy. <laughs> Depending on my mood, uh, I like all kinds of music. Um, at one point in my life, I traveled uh, on weekends with a rock band. So, I like you know, Only the Beginnings and 25 or 64 and all those great songs of, that had brass sections. I like symphony orchestras. Uh, I played in several symphony orchestras. Uh, when I was in Detroit, I played in one of the suburban symphony orchestras. I love, I have classical music on when I work. Uh, I love jazz. I love pop music. I love worship music. Um, I love to catch fish. I love to go out on the lake and, and catch fish. I like to fish, but I like catching um, a little bit better. Um, I like a good golf game. Um, I'm not real good at golf, but I love to play golf. Um, and I really have a lot of fun. I love to see my wife happy. And I want to just say this. One of my goals for our marriage, and I say this to my wife often, is I want her to be safe around me. I want her to feel really, really secure and safe so that she can be herself. And I love it when she does something silly or she says something crazy. And I know that she does it because she's free. And even though I might be stupid, it makes me happy because I know she's safe enough to say it because she, she's safe with me. And that makes me so happy to know that I'll never be abusive to her she knows that I'll never be cross with her and upset and do anything abusive. She's safe around me. And I love it when she does things. And I just say, you know, the only reason you did that is because you feel safe around me. And I love that about Faye. Um, I love a good deal on a recent purchase. Um, when, when, I, when I buy something and I know I got a good deal on it, and it makes it, yes, I was a good steward. But, you know, each of those things that makes me happy um, if the circumstances change, they can also make me sad. Uh, listening to bad music, there's, there's this Christmas song that the Beatles have. I don't know if you've ever heard it. But they never make it up to the to the high note. They're just a little bit below the high note. And it's great. It get up there. Get up there. You know, the bad music, it ruins my day when, when someone does that. Um, when I'm, when I'm fishing and I get a big, I, 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 I was fishing with a friend of mine, and he had a big muskie on, and we were fishing for bass that day, and so all I had was a bass net, a little net. So here was this big muskie, and uh, I didn't do a very good job netting it, and I got the net under the muskie, and his tail went over one side, his head went over the other side, and he flopped, and he got away. Uh, as much as I love to fish, that experience made me not happy. Um, there are times when my wife does things, I mean, guys, you all know, I mean, you you love your wife, but, you know, she's human. She does things that make me upset, and, you know, there's things that happen. You know, we, we've we been married for 44 years. I mean, that happens when, when you're married. Um, you know, sometimes I have buyer's remorse. You ever had buyer's remorse on something? You buy something, oh, I wish I wouldn't have bought that, you know. Happiness depends, doesn't it? Happiness depends. It's natural uh, to want to be happy. In fact, our, our Constitution says uh, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness is an inalienable right. We have a right to be happy. Uh, unfortunately, um, we abuse that sometimes in our country because happiness can be a fleeting commodity, and sometimes it's totally out of our control. And because of that, we might question as followers of the Lord Jesus, how much effort ought we really to spend in the pursuit of happiness? Rather, I would suggest that while happiness is good and we, it's good, okay, to pursue happiness, it's better to invest, invest all of our, the, the majority of our energy in the pursuit of joy. So I want to talk about joy this morning as we read in the Advent candle lighting. Uh, the pursuit of joy is something that can come from the experience of the shepherds. So if you have your Bibles, uh, open them to Luke chapter 2. And I, and I trust you'll open your Bibles and have it on your lap because I'm going to be referring uh, to this passage. And, you know, we've read it a thousand times. Do you ever get tired of hearing this? I never get tired of it. I mean, I've heard it since, you know, Charlie Brown Christmas, you know. But I never get tired of it. Verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But an angel said, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those on whom His favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off. They found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. I'd like to suggest in this story um, that there is joy um, that we can experience in the Christmas story. Now, what, what do we mean by joy? Well, I would suggest to you that joy is, uh, really, it's not an emotion, although it causes emotions. It's something that's on the inside of us that just kind of wells up. And it puts a smile on your face. It puts a spring in your step. It uh, it helps you feel light. Um, it, it makes you feel um, fulfilled. It it's, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what this joy is, but when you have it, you know it. And it's something that does not depend on circumstances. It's something that transcends circumstances. It can be our experience no matter what our circumstances are. And in this story that we just read, I find three sources of joy, three, three things that give us joy. And the first one, is joy in the gospel. Uh, Verse 10 tells us that the angels told the shepherds a good news of great joy. Good news. The good news is what brings joy. Now, what is the good news? Well, this phrase, good news, describes news. News is something that happened. It's not something that we create It's something that we report. Something happened. And that something that happened is good. Something happened that is good and it surrounds this baby that's in the manger. Well, what is that good news? Well, I think there's a passage in 1 Peter that really describes this good news as well as anything that we find in the New Testament. In this, what? You rejoice. So here we've got a presentation of the good news. The presentation of the gospel. The relationship between the Father and the Son, Jesus. Uh, it outlines the accomplishment of the cross and provides spiritual birth for us. It assures us our place in heaven. And uh, it brings living hope. That is kept for us and will never perish, spoil, or even fade. It introduces us to the events of the end times when Jesus will return and set up his kingdom on earth. That's the good news. And Peter tells us that as we think of the good news, there will be great joy. Great joy will well up from within. And we rejoice in who God is, what he has accomplished, and what he will do in the future. There is joy in the good news. Now tell me something. Every time you read the Bible and review the Gospel, does that give you joy? I mean, there are some times when I read the Bible and it's flat. that ever happened to you? Well, I think there's a way that we can overcome that flatness. But I'm not going to tell you what that is until later on. So keep that thought. Secondly, There's joy in the presence of the Lord. And that's the second one. Um, There's joy. Boy, that's a small. What happened to my PowerPoint there? There's joy in the presence of the Lord. Um, The shepherds ran into the place where Jesus lay and found him lying in a manger. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us what they did when when they got there. It just says that they went to the place where he was. Uh, I think they probably just kind of just kind of relaxed in his presence. I bet they may have asked Mary and Joseph, tell us the story here. What what's the deal with this major thing? How how did this baby come about? And I think I bet they had a conversation with Mary and Joseph and they just stayed in the presence of Jesus. And verse 20 of Luke 2 tells us that that caused them to be filled with joy and they began to glorify God because they were in the presence of God. Now, I think of the presence of God and I think of Psalm 16. He says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices My body also will rest secure, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. You make known to me the path of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. God is an ever-present companion in all of life's circumstances. He came to us in Christ to dwell among us. To identify with us in our struggles and to assure us of life after death. He is our shepherd. He is our counselor. He is our strength. He guides us. He comforts us. He listens to us. He renews us. When we worship him, we just feel his presence like we did this morning during our worship time. But, you know, sometimes we feel distant from God. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt like your faith was cold and empty and like your prayers hit the ceiling and bounced right back? You know, And, and sometimes we think, you know, I, I love Jesus, I love God, but, you know, I mean, I'm in His presence. I know He's always around me. I'm praying. I'm in His presence in my prayers. I'm just not feeling it. Why is that? Well, I'll, I'll tell you why, but not, not yet. Third, The shepherds experienced joy in evangelism. Now, Christian joy is what the shepherds had after they spent time with Jesus. And look at verses 17 and 18. When they left, that joy overflowed from their lives. And what did they do? Told everybody. They were so filled with joy that that joy welled up from within and they spread the news. Now, this is remarkable behavior for these shepherds. Because these guys were social outcasts. They were unclean because of their profession. Um, They lived out in the pastures. They were lonesome because of the long hours. They probably didn't smell very good. They had a thankless job of providing wool for clothes and providing animals for the sacrifices. They did the dirty work so everyone else could be comfortable. And when they heard the angels and they spent time with Jesus in the manger, they were filled with something other than happiness that they couldn't contain within themselves. They had joy and they were praising God and they told everyone because they had joy in their lives. Think of the many times that Jesus met people. And think of the things that happened when, when he met them. The man healed the legion of demons. What did he do? He went back. He told everybody. Uh, think of Zachari- uh, Zacchaeus, the tax collector. What did he do? He was so filled with joy that he gave people back their money, and he, he repented, and he told everybody. Uh, the man with leprosy in Mark 1, uh, they, they went and he told everybody. He was so filled with joy that that joy gave him the strength to do evangelism how do we get to that point in our lives where we are so filled with joy that we we just can't contain it we've got to tell people is that your experience maybe it isn't sometimes it's not with me sometimes i just think i just don't want to talk to people right now i'm just i'm how do you get that joy in your life that that causes you to bubble over in evangelism? How do you get that joy in your life where you're just thinking to yourself, I just love being in the presence of God. How do you get that joy in your life where the Word of God just jumps out with you? Well, let me give you an idea that I'd like to suggest to you, and it's this. The joy of the Lord is revealed to us in two scripture passages. First in First Thessalonians 1. You became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you welcomed the message in the midst of severe suffering with the joy given by the Holy Spirit. Do you see that? And then Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, what? Joy. You know, these shepherds uh, were with Mary and Joseph. And this was before Pentecost. And they had genuine joy. You know, they had genuine joy in, in understanding the Old Testament prophecies were being fulfilled in Jesus' presence. That joy overflowed and they went and told everybody. But I would suggest it to you that those of us who are after Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit came... That there's something uh, like what the 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 shepherds had, maybe we could say joy on steroids. (laughs) Um, I suggest that the source of joy in the Christian life is the ministry of the Holy Spirit. We might long to be next to Jesus, like the shepherds were, but there's something better than being next to Jesus. There's something better than walking with Jesus. There's something better than talking with Jesus. And you think, whoa, Scott, um, I think we're going to fire you. I mean, you're not being orthodox here. Well, I'd like to show you this verse from John chapter 14. He says this. Jesus says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him, you love him, you know him, for so he dwells with you and what? Will be in you. Think of it this way. Let's say that you're a basketball player and you've got a three on three tournament that you're going to enter. Who would you want on your team? Well, how about LeBron James? All right, let's have LeBron James on my team. I mean, then, then I'll really be in good shape because he's on my team and all i got to do is give him the ball and we'll probably win the tournament. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? You know what would be even better? It would be better if I could be LeBron James. What if the spirit and the ability and the talents of LeBron James were inside of me so that I didn't have to give LeBron James the ball. I could just take the ball myself. Right? See, that's, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit is in you. You don't have to be next to Jesus. You don't have to talk with Jesus and then have Him go away. He is in you by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit is in us, He then gives us joy. And that's what I want you to take with you today. The joy of the Lord is ours through the Holy Spirit. Happiness is something we pursue and sometimes find, but it all depends, right? Joy is an inner quality of life that is given to us by the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and it is a joy that stays with us and lifts our spirits in spite of The circumstances. So now, I want to give you a real short uh, class on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. Let me just explain all this to you, okay? Number one, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit the moment we are born again. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit who brings spiritual birth. That's what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3. born of the Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is the one who gives us spiritual birth. The theological word is regeneration. The Holy Spirit accomplishes that in our lives. How does he accomplish that? Well, I would suggest to you that the way that we are born of the Spirit, first of all, is to hear the gospel, to hear the good news about Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit activates the power of God found in the gospel and that brings about salvation. Look at what the Bible says in Romans chapter 1. Romans 1 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel for the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. The power of God unto salvation is the word of God. It is the gospel. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So those who believe to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Then in 1 Peter one twenty three, Peter says, Since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding. The gospel. The gospel is the power of God. you got to hear the gospel in order for the Holy Spirit to to activate the power of the gospel so that the Holy Spirit then can give us spiritual birth. So in response to the preaching of the gospel, the Holy Spirit works from the outside. And here's what he does on the outside. John 16.8 says, When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. So someone hears the gospel, and then the Holy Spirit comes to them and convicts them of their sin. You know, you can't understand a solution until you first understand that there's a problem. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. And he uses the gospel to show us that there's a problem. Then the Holy Spirit works on the inside. And that's what Titus 3.5 says. He saved us not because of works done by righteousness, but according to his own mercy by washing of, regeneration, and renewal of the Holy Spirit. So God speaks the gospel, which is Jesus. Then the Holy Spirit works within us. And brings about spiritual birth. And that happens the moment we trust in Christ. And that's what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. He says, Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Christ Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. And what? You'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's not that hard to understand. Uh, Preach the gospel. And God, the Holy Spirit, takes it from there. So we receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. But also, secondly, we receive a filling of the Holy Spirit. Um, We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, which is a one-time event. Then we receive the filling of the Holy Spirit, which is an ongoing experience. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, Be filled. Be being filled. A constant thing. Be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, being filled with the Holy Spirit is not receiving Him, because we already have Him in our lives. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is experiencing His fullness. Now, one prominent evangelical scholar likens it to a balloon. Let's say that we we have the Holy Spirit in our lives, and uh, we can... We can kind of symbolize his presence in our lives like a balloon. You know what a filling of the Holy Spirit is according to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the command? It's the second one. It's the next there. You see? That's what the filling of the Holy Spirit is. He's already there. But be filled with the Holy Spirit is a time in our lives where we we just get filled up more with the Holy Spirit. And this filling of the Holy Spirit is what God wants to do in our lives on a daily, moment-by-moment, frequent experience. And with this filling, then the Holy Spirit gives us the joy of the good news, the joy of being in His presence, the joy of evangelism. But I want to say one more thing about this mini-doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Number three, the Holy Spirit does not always give us the joy of the Lord. Because there are some times when we walk away from God, there are some times in our lives where we put other things before God. We practice modern-day idolatry. We, we get angry. We, we sin. I mean, I, I do. The Apostle Paul says he was the chief of sinners. And when that happens, you know what? The Holy Spirit is grieved in our lives. There's another verse which says, the Holy Spirit is quenched. We kind of deflate the filling, the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so sometimes in our lives, He comes alongside of us and He says, No, oh, you know, you're going life in your own strength. You need to be refilled, you need to be renewed by the Holy Spirit. And when we do, um, we'll understand why sometimes our our Bible reading is flat. We'll understand why sometimes we don't really enjoy worship. We'll understand why sometimes the last thing we want to do is tell someone about Jesus. But when we respond to that conviction of the Holy Spirit, when we repent of our sinfulness, and say, God, I'm sorry. I've I've won my own way and, and I confess I did this. I confess I did that. Then you know what we should do? Please fill me fresh with the Holy Spirit. Renew the joy that comes within my life. And He will. It's His promise. If we ask Him, He will fill us. See, that's the bottom line. The joy of the Lord is ours through the Holy Spirit. So let's go back to the model of the shepherds. And from the model that model think about how we might experience joy first just like the shepherds were promised joy because of the good news we can have the joy of the Lord when we read the Bible do you know who wrote the Bible the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible Paul teaches us that um, that the breath of God is inspired by the Holy Spirit. 1 Peter one twenty one or 2 Peter one twenty one says that men of God were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So what they wrote was not the words of men, was the word, word of God. The Holy Spirit wrote the If you wrote a book and someone picked it up, wouldn't you want to help them understand what you wrote you wouldn't want them to misunderstand what you wrote, would you? It would be, it would be great, great, greatly important to you that they understand what you wrote. The Holy Spirit wants us to understand what he inspired. He wants it to come alive. He wants us to understand it. He wants us to, to apply it to our lives. The Holy Spirit is very involved in helping us comprehend the Word of God. So think of Christmas. Think of the truth of the gospel in the Christmas songs that we sing. Um, Think of all of the theology in those songs. Um, Think of the incarnation of God, Philippians chapter 2. Think about who was born to die so that he could save his people from their sins, as Matthew one twenty one says. Think of God and sinners reconciled, reconciled um, as, as we sing in, in that wonderful Christmas story. The Holy Spirit will fill us with joy as we read the biblical account of the birth of Jesus. Second, just like the shepherds were filled with joy in the presence of the baby Jesus, we can experience joy in the Lord through the Holy Spirit who unites us with the Father and the Son. That's what he does. His purpose is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. His purpose is to give honor and glory to the Father, to unite us with the Father and the Son. So that our walk with the Lord is never routine. Now, listen, the Holy Spirit regenerated our hearts. He gave life to our hearts, life where there was no life. When we are filled with him, his life within cannot then be routine. We enjoy his presence. We have joy in the Lord. Let's let's let the Holy Spirit and ask the Holy Spirit to, to, to make the joy of Christmas presence of Jesus true. He is Emmanuel, which means what? God with us. Do you feel like he's with you? Well, then pray for the Holy Spirit to give you a fresh filling that you might understand his presence. He is our wonder counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting Father. He is our Prince of Peace. The presence of God comes by the Spirit of God. And thirdly, just as the Lord motivated the shepherds to spread the good news, we can be sent of God to be his ambassadors. Remember the Great Commission in Acts chapter 1? You shall be empowered to be my witnesses when? Remember Acts 1.8? When the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And when He is filling us, when we are full of Him, then He will empower us to share the gospel. He'll give us divine appointments. He'll open up a door. He'll, he'll help us ask a question to somebody. He'll help us to come alongside of somebody. And when we are walking with Him and that someone looks at us, why are you doing this? Well, I just want you to know that God loves you. And He gave Jesus at Christmas So that Jesus could grow up, give his life as a sacrifice for your sins, and give you eternal life in heaven. He will give us the words to say. He will give us joy in spreading the good news. That's where joy comes from. Um, Joy and happiness, I think, are two different experiences. Both are good, but I think pursuing joy is worth our concerted effort. I think it's great to be happy, but realize that happiness comes from this world. And Jesus says in this world you will have tribulation, but rejoice, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. It's constant. The Holy Spirit fills us, and His joy is always there in our lives. So, let me just bring this to a close and land this plane (laughs) How do we experience the joy that comes from the Holy Spirit? What do we do? Well, first, may I ask you, have you met Jesus? Do you know Jesus? Have you heard the gospel? And have you believed the gospel? Have you received the Lord Jesus Christ into your life? If you have, you are born again by the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. Secondly, all you have to do is ask. Ask. Lord, fill me fresh right now with your Spirit. You can be three years old. You can be 13 years old. You can be 30 years old. You can be, you can be 100. Just ask. Holy Spirit, fill me. With the joy of Christmas. Shall we pray? Father in heaven, I don't want this to be an.